Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. It's my joy today to introduce to you my oldest son, Jesse Stewart, who is joining me in this ministry. Man, that was, that was awesome. That was awesome. Thank you guys so much. Whew. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to 1 John chapter 5. That's where we're going to be tonight, 1 John chapter 5, as we wrap up this series that we've been in this whole semester so far called Fully Known fully loved. And so, man, I hope you guys have enjoyed us walking through this book of 1 John as much as I've enjoyed teaching you guys. And um, tonight we're going to come to a close, but that doesn't mean that we can't continue to love this book. And I've just been really thankful that we've been able to just walk through this book and learn from it to see what God's Word has to teach us about how we live our lives, how we understand it, and how we can walk in this community with other believers where we know that we have a God who fully knows us and still fully loves us. And so 1 John chapter 5, we'll be starting with verse 13 a little bit later on. But before we go any further, let's just pray. Let's just ask God to do something great tonight. I already know that he's in this room. I've already felt his presence. I know you guys have as well. So let's just pray and ask that God would just do something awesome in all of our lives tonight. So let's pray. And God, you are good. And Christ, you are magnified. And we thank you that we do serve a God who we can come to you with hearts that are open to you because you're a God who cares about our hearts. You're a God who wants to purify our hearts. You're a God who enables us to live our lives in a way where we can reflect your heart. And so tonight, God, I know this is getting about midway through the semester and there's so many distractions that can be in our minds tonight, Lord, whether it's school or relationships or work or anything else, God. And so my prayer is that tonight, all those distractions would just fall away and that we just be captivated by you. My prayer, God, is that you'd open up our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. And that tonight, we would, all of us would walk out of this place with a deeper love for you and a deeper desire to look more like Jesus. It's in his great name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So if you've been here before, uh, you know oftentimes I like to start off a sermon with you guys uh, talking about a girl that I used to date, Right? Which, by the way, my wife knows that I do this, and I want to say that because somebody, we were having a conversation Sunday, and somebody was talking, and I feel like they felt like they couldn't tell my wife that I talk about my ex-girlfriends, <laughs> and she knows, she's aware, she, she, she knows, and she knows that she won, right? She's the one that ended up on top, right? Um, so, you know, once you win the championship, it's, it's easy to talk about the losses before that, right? And so, and so anyway, sorry. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. But so even though, even though most of the time I get up on the stage or often I talk about girls I used to date, tonight I want to talk about a girl that I used to want to date, but I never did. So me and this girl met when we were in elementary school, but it wasn't until it was closer to high school that I found myself crushing on her. And she was a really sweet girl. She was really nice. But unfortunately, she wasn't somebody who was pursuing a relationship with Jesus. I don't think that she was a Christian. And so even though I had these feelings towards her when I got into high school, I just didn't think it would be wise to step into a relationship with her. But that doesn't mean that I didn't want to be in a relationship with her. And so what ended up happening because of that is for several years, her and I played this complicated, weird relationship game. And here's what I mean by that. So what would happen is that we would go somewhere, I'd go to like a friend's house or some kind of event or some kind of hangout, 
and I would see her there because her and I at this point didn't, didn't go to the same school. And so I'd see her and we'd kind of start talking again. We'd start hanging out, maybe even after that one-on-one together in an afternoon, or we'd go over to somebody's house and make them feel like the awkward third wheel the whole time. And so we just found ways to kind of be together. But then as I did this, I kind of felt myself feeling, feeling convicted, like I, don't, I know I don't need to pursue this. And so I'd kind of back away and things would just kind of naturally die out. But then a few months would go by and I'd see her again an event at somebody's house, and all of a sudden, these emotions that I had for her would kind of relight themselves. And so we'd start hanging out again, and we'd start talking again, and we would start kind of doing things together again, only to me start feeling bad and kind of back away and have things kind of naturally fade out. And so this happened for years. For several years when I was in high school, this is kind of the relationship that we played with each other where we obviously both had feelings for each other, but none of us was willing to really make the step to pursue a relationship. I had my reasons, she had hers, but we never really stepped together and got into a close relationship with each other. Instead, just every once in a while, as the cycle continued, we would just see each other, and we knew that the other one was there to maybe help us get some emotional pick-me-up or something whenever we found like, found like, felt like we needed somebody else to kind of come along and help us out in our lives. Here's why I tell you this random story about this random girl from my past. It's because the relationship that I had with her, I know for many of us in this room, is the same relationship that we have with the sin in our lives. So even though we know, like I did in high school, that we don't need to be in a close relationship with it, that doesn't mean that we don't have feelings towards it. And it also doesn't mean that oftentimes we find ourselves hanging out with it. But then we usually feel convicted. And we know that isn't something that we should be doing. So then maybe for weeks or even several months, we'll find ourselves backing away and seeing some type of victory over it. But then something happens where all of a sudden this sin becomes appealing to us again. It becomes relit, this emotion inside of us. And we find ourselves stepping back into it and hanging out with it once again. And we oftentimes find ourselves living in this cycle. And oftentimes we find ourselves going back to it because we just want an emotional pick-me-up. Something to make us feel better because we're stressed. Something to make us feel better because we're frustrated. Something to get our mind off of the busyness that is happening in our lives. And see, what we've been doing in this series is we've been walking through the book of 1 John and we've been exposing the lies of the enemy, haven't we? Lies about who we are, who God is, and what's the good life. And so many of these lies that we've been talking about cause us to walk in sin. They cause us to practice sin in our lives. And even though now we've spent time looking in this book and walking together, and now that we know the truth, if we're honest, there's still something deep down inside of us. Something deep down that calls us to believe that even though we know what the truth is now, we're still going to go back to believing those lies again. We don't have confidence that we're going to continue to follow God the way that we know that we should, but it's only going to be a matter of time before we go back to those same habits, to those same addictions, to those same struggles in our life. And if we're honest, this is what we feel like our life is always going to be like, that we're always going to live in this relationship with God where we find ourselves at times doing really well, at times doing what we know that we should, only to have something happen, our emotions for sin be relit, and then have us going right back to it. 
And so we feel like it will always be because of us. It will always be because of our sin that we won't ever become the person that we want to be in our relationship with God, that we'll never spiritually be the person that we hope one day that we'll be. Man, if you find yourself thinking that, if you find yourself believing that tonight, that's exactly what the enemy wants you to think and what he wants you to believe. Because every single week in this series, we've talked about a lie that he wants us to be deceived by. And here's the lie that we oftentimes find ourselves believing, this lie that I'll never spiritually be who I want to be. That I'll never get to the point in my life that I have victory over that sin or sobriety over that addiction or I won't ever finally get to the point in my life that I feel like my relationship with God is where it needs to be because I will always be the person who causes it to go down. I will always be the person that gets in the way of it. And so often in our lives, especially in the midst of our sin, this is what Satan wants us to believe that I'll never spiritually be who I want to be. And even though for many of us, that's a fear that we have in our lives, here's the good news that I want to share with you tonight, is that's not your father's fear. Because despite the fact that we do oftentimes have little confidence in ourselves, we serve a God who we can put great confidence in. A God who wants to fight for you. A God who wants you to grow a God who wants to help you become the person in Christ, the follower of Jesus that you desperately in your deepest heart want to be. And so you don't have to go on this journey alone. And tonight as we walk through 1 John, we see that. And so this final section that we're gonna walk through in 1 John, you're gonna notice there's a phrase that John says over and over and over again. It's the phrase we know. Because it's like as John is finishing this letter and as he's writing to this church, he's telling them and us things that we know to be true, but we need to hear them again. Things that we know about God and about ourselves that are true, but we need to hear them once again. And tonight, that's what I want to do. Because for so many weeks in this series, I've challenged you. I've challenged you to change the way you think or to change an action in your life or to have a different perspective or a different attitude. So much of the series has been challenge, challenge, challenge. But tonight, honestly, what I want to do is encourage you. I want to encourage you by telling you things that most of you already know to be true, but you just need to hear again. And so 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 and following are going to help us do that. Just jump into this together. 1 John chapter 5, we're going to start... In verse 13, this is the final section of this letter that he's written to this church. So he says in verse 13, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And so as John begins this final section here, this final part of this letter, he finally gives us the purpose statement. If you remember in school, I mean, some of you are still here, that your professor or teacher always wants you to give a purpose statement whenever you write a paper. And usually they want it to be an introduction, but John here decides to put it in the conclusion. He says, here is the purpose. Here is the reason he is writing to this church that is infested with all these lies. And he's doing it so that the people may know that they have eternal life. That they may know that their faith is authentic. That they may know that their walk with Jesus is genuine. I mean, I love what John says here. I love this part. Because what it shows us is that we have a God who wants you to be confident in your salvation. He wants you to be confident that you have eternal life. He doesn't want you walking around all the time wondering if you're saved or wondering if you're not, right? We often think that. 
But what we see here in verse 13 is that we have a God that wants you to be confident that you have eternal life, that you have a relationship with him. And all throughout this letter, John has given us these evidences that we may know that we have eternal life. He talks about the idea that we must know that Jesus is the Christ, that we must believe Excuse me, we leave that, but also we must love other believers. We need to, if we strive not to sin, but if we do, we need to confess our sin and even that we need to live our lives in the way that by keeping God's commandments, we show God that we love him. So don't think, man, don't think that you can't be confident that you have eternal life. Don't let the enemy get you to think that. Because according to God's word, you can know that you have eternal life. And my prayer is for you in this room, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you have that confidence, that you know that you have eternal life. And so after John gives us this purpose statement, he continues to write, and he just goes truth after truth after truth. And so that's what I want to do is walk through these truths together. So the first truth we see is in verse 14. He says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we've asked of him. So the first truth that John lays out to these people has to do with prayer, a topic that he really hasn't talked about very much in this letter. But here he tells them that when you, have, when you pray to God, according to his will, you can have confidence that he hears your request. And God's will is obviously something that we don't know exactly, but I think at least we can understand God's will in these two simple ways, that God's will is for us to look more like Jesus, and God's will is for himself to be glorified. And so what John is saying here is that when we ask God according to his will, God hears us. And I love this caveat that John has here according to his will because what this shows us is God isn't just some genie in the sky who wants to answer our prayers regardless of what they are. But see, what we also see here, and this is also important, is that John also shows us that God isn't just this distant deity up in the sky who's completely disconnected to what's going on in the lives of his people, that he doesn't care to hear from them. Because those are two lies, two misconceptions that we so often have about God when we pray to him. But instead, what John tells us here is in line with everything that we've seen so far in this book. That our God is a loving father. That he is a gracious parent who desires to hear from his children and to answer the request that they ask of him. To give them good gifts when they come to him wanting something. So this past Christmas, my youngest son, Titus, he's three. He'll be four tomorrow. So give that for Titus. Yeah, he made it, guys. Made it to four. Such a good year. Um, And so this past Christmas, Titus had a very specific request when it came to what he wanted from Santa Claus. He wanted an Iron Man beard, which is basically a Tony Stark beard, I guess. I don't know. But here's what I've learned. There's not much of a market for beers for three-year-olds. Very, very tough to find. So I had to get creative, and this is what I got him instead. I got got him a beard for a 30-year-old. That's what I did. So this is a costume that somebody had that I got on Amazon for his beard from a Tony Stark, you know, costume or whatever. And so... Even though it was, he, this, I knew this request was ridiculous, and I knew that when I bought this for, for him, he wasn't going to wear it once, maybe twice, and then never thinking about it again. 
even though I knew those things, and I was pretty spot on about what happened, I wanted to buy this for my son. The fact that he kept asking me for it, the fact that he kept getting excited about it, and the fact that he really, really desired to have this made me want to give him this request even when it was weird. And the reason I wanted to buy this for my son is because it brought me joy. Because I love him. And one of my strongest desires is to see him happy. And so even though I knew this was a waste of money, even though I knew this wasn't something that was going to last a long time, because I have such love for my son and because I desire to give him good things, I gave him this for him. Because that's the kind of relationship I have with him. And tonight, this is the type of relationship, if you belong to Jesus, that God has with you. You have a father who loves you. You have a father who has a great desire to see you experience true joy and real happiness in your life because you are his child. That's what he wants from you. And so what this means is if you're afraid that you're going to go back to that old way of living that you finally got out of, or you're afraid now that you're starting to see victory over sin that you're just gonna fall right back into it, or if you're afraid that you will always be the person that will keep you from being spiritually who you want to be because of all the things that you know you're capable of doing, if that's you in this room tonight, then what I'm telling you and what this passage is telling you is to talk to God about it. Ask your father to give you a good gift of a heart that desires to follow him even when you don't want to to give you wisdom, to see things from a kingdom perspective when it's so easy for us to see them from a cultural perspective. Come to your father and ask him to give you the ability to say no to temptation, even though in the moment it feels like you can't. Because you have a God who wants to hear from you. You have a God who desires to give you good gifts, who wants you to look more like Jesus. So talk to him about that. Let him know what is going on in your heart. Because the truth is, you have a God who desires to hear from you. Be encouraged by that tonight. And then as John continues to write, we're going to jump down to verse 18, and he gives us another truth that we can hold on to as he finishes this letter to this church. This is what verse 18 says. It says, We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, But he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So if you haven't picked up on this yet, John is very, first John is very repetitive. When he writes, he repeats words and phrases and patterns and all this other, like just even themes, like all this stuff he's just continued to repeat. Which is one reason why as we've gone through this letter, we've kind of jumped around because there's so many different themes that we've just kind of found a theme, talked about it. And even though he talks about it later on, we've just kind of jumped and talked about something else. And so this is another one of those times that John repeats a theme that we've already seen. Because if you remember in 1 John chapter 3, John tells us that the one who was born of God, the one who was a follower of Jesus, does not keep on sinning. Meaning they don't make a practice of sin in their life. Justin was with us that week, and he walked through God's word and taught us that. But here, as John repeats this phrase, he tells us something that's very important. He connects an idea to this that is so big for us tonight, because he says, in our attempt to strive not to sin, 
that we have somebody who's protecting us. Someone who he says is he who was born of God. That's the phrase he uses to describe this person. He who was born of God. And the person that John is talking about here is Jesus. Because even though Jesus has always lived, he was born of God when Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit and he stepped into this world as a baby. And see, this one who was born of woman crushed the head of the serpent. And now because of that, the evil one can't touch him. And if you belong to Jesus, that means the evil one can't touch you either. You have a God who protects you. So even though the world lies in the power of the evil one, you get to live in the protection of your Savior. Your Savior who doesn't want you to believe the lies of the enemy, but wants to keep you from them. And so even though we understand that the lies of the enemy can be very, very convincing, and even though we understand his temptation can be very, very strong, we don't have to be afraid of him. Because there, Satan can't do anything to you without going through Jesus first. Satan can't do anything in your life without going through Jesus first. God will always have the final say of what happens in your life. So even though his temptations are strong, we have a God who always provides a way out. And even though his lies can be very convincing, we have a God who gives us wisdom so that we don't have to believe them. So we can choose to fall in the footsteps of our Savior. We can choose to live our lives in a way where we live in the shelter of our Father's wing. And that's the good news that we have for us tonight. That there's nothing that can happen to you that's outside of God's control and protection over you. And be encouraged by that. Be encouraged by that tonight because the truth is you have a God who protects you. And so find peace in that tonight. And then as we continue to read, once again, John just continues to give us these truths and these truths. And so verse 20, we see another one. It says, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So here we see the final we know statements in this letter when he says that Jesus came so that we know the, may know the one who is true so that we may have understanding, that we may have our, lies, our eyes enlightened, our minds to know who God is and what he's done for us. So we would want to have a personal relationship with him. And then he talks about Jesus as being the true God and the eternal life, which is just an amazing statement about who Jesus is. But see, when John says here that Jesus came to give us understanding, this calls back to the work that Jesus did for us. That he came into this world and he found those who were spiritually blind and he allowed them to be able to see. That he came into this world and he found those who were in darkness and unable to understand the things of God. And he takes them and he brings them to the marvelous light to open up our minds to know the truth of who God is and what he's done for us. Jesus came so that we may understand what truth is so that we wouldn't have to follow the lies of the enemy. That's what he came to do. That's what he came to do for us. 
And that's what he wants to do in our lives right now. And now, as Jesus is with his Father, he now has given us the Holy Spirit to guide us, to give us insight, discernment, and knowledge on how to best live our lives so that we have lives that are holy, pleasing, and acceptable to God. So may we, may, we may walk in a way worthy of our calling, as Paul talks about. And so now you have the Holy Spirit in your life to guide you. And so the same God that opened up your eyes to see your need for Jesus is the same God who wants to walk with you every single day to open up your eyes to see the sin in front of you so that you can learn to resist it. To give you understanding to how to best live the best life that he's called you to. And that you don't get deceived into thinking that the good life is somewhere else. See, when Satan came into the garden, that's what he got Adam and Eve to believe, that God was withholding this knowledge that they needed in order to live a better life. And that's the same thing that he wants you to do. He wants you to think that God is holding out on you to keep you from living a better life. But Jesus has stepped into the scene and he has come to give us true understanding to illuminate our eyes to see what we need to do and what we need to know to live a life that follows after him. Because of Jesus, we can know what is right and what is wrong, what is real and what is not, what is a lie and what is the truth, what is gonna lead to flourishing and what is gonna lead to frustration. And that is why Jesus came. And so now the Holy Spirit lives inside of us to guide us, to help us live our lives and to get us out of the life that we're afraid that we're going to fall back into or to escape the life that we're currently living now that we always is going to think is going to hold us back. Because we have a God who wants to guide us, who desires to be with us. And so your God is fighting for you. He is walking with you on this journey and he wants to help you become the person that you desire to be spiritually. That's the hope, that's the good news. That is the encouragement that all of us have in this room tonight. And then as John finishes this letter, he ends it with one more sentence, one more word of advice that he wants to give us. Because this is what verse 21 says. It says, little children, keep yourself from idols. Now, if you've been tracking with us, not only in this section, but also just in this entire book, this is super random. This is like out of nowhere. In fact, this is the only time that John uses the word idols in the entire book of 1 John. And so when you first look at it, it seems very out of place. Like John just had this random thought, wrote it down at the end, and kind of walked away. But when you really understand the context of this letter and what John is doing, it makes a lot more sense. Because if you remember, one of the big themes in this book is that John is writing in order to expose lies about who God is. The same thing that we've been doing is we've been walking through this, exposing the lies that we often believe about God. And so what I think and what many others think is that when John mentions idols here, he's not talking about physical idols. He's talking about something symbolic. He's talking about these Ideas that these people believed about God that they thought were true, but now they know that they're not. Or as one scholar put it, idols here is false conceptions about God. And so if that is true, as John is finishing this letter, he just wants to remind this church and us one more time that don't go back to believing the things that you once believed. 
Don't go back to believing the lies of the enemy. Don't go back to believing what you once thought was true about God. Instead, choose to remember what you've learned and what you've discovered and choose to walk in that instead. And that's a great warning for us too. Because again, we've done this. We've walked through this book talking about who God is, who we are, and what is the good life. And as those in this room, as we've already talked about, that are afraid that we're going to step back into believing these lies, we need to remember to keep ourselves from idols. To keep ourselves from these false ideas of God that so often cause us to go back to the sin that we can become so attracted to. And for us as followers of Jesus, the best way that we can keep ourselves from idols is by clinging to the cross. Because it's there that all the lies of the enemy come face to face with the truth of reality. They become face to faith, face to face with what is real and what we're called to believe. Because it's there that when we were far off from God and rebelling against him, God in his grace chose to pursue us. He chose to send his son after us, to step down into this world, to come into this place, to live among us in order that he might save us, in order that he might come so that we could be called children of God. This is who we are tonight. But then as Jesus goes to the cross, he is willing to experience the pain of the cross in our place as our substitute so that we don't have to. So not only does he able to protect us because of his death from the evil one, but because of his resurrection, he is now able to protect us from hell, death, and the grave. And even though we don't deserve it, because Jesus has come, we now get the good gift of eternal life from our Father. A life that is so amazing, so good, so incredible that Jesus himself calls it paradise. That is who your God is. But even now, as we wait for this eternal life, this moment to come when we get to spend eternity with him, even now he hasn't left us alone as orphans. Instead, he gives us the Holy Spirit so we have understanding, so that we have guidance, so that we can walk down the narrow path to the good life that we all long to have. And so tonight, if you are somebody who's afraid that your sin today will always hinder your relationship with God tomorrow, be encouraged. Because you have a Father who loves you. You have a Savior who protects you. And you have a Holy Spirit who wants to guide you. To guide you to the truth so that the truth can set you free. And that's the freedom I want you to live in tonight. That's the freedom I want to live in tonight. And this amazing freedom that God cares more about your spiritual growth than you do. So he's fighting for you. He's walking alongside you. He's protecting you. He is waiting to hear from you because he wants to give you good gifts so that you can live a life that is holy, acceptable, and pleasing to him. That is who your God is. And that's how much he loves you. So whenever you start to believe, whenever you start to think that because of your sin, because of what you've done, that you will never spiritually be who you want to be, In that moment of doubt, choose to put your confidence in the cross. Choose to put your confidence in Jesus because it's there that we see even our sin can't stop our Savior. 
And that's the hope that we have tonight. Even our sin can't stop our Savior. You will become the person that Jesus died for you to be. God will accomplish his plan for your life. Even you can't get in the way of that because you have a God that loves you and pursues you and died for you so that you could become the person who lives a life for him. And that is the hope that we have. That is where we find ourselves tonight. And so, babe, you guys can come on up. Because tonight, that's where I want to leave us with, with this amazing encouragement that we have a God who loves us, a Savior who died for us, and a Holy Spirit who walks with us every single day. And so you can become the person spiritually that you want to be. You can choose to live your life in a way that says no to sin and yes to God. Not because you can do it, not because you're strong enough to do it, not because you've got things right, but because you have a God who is wanting to protect you, walk with you, be with you, and guide you. So as we wrap up this series, don't go back to believing in the lies of the enemy. Whenever you find yourself drawn to it again, whenever you find yourself wanting to hang out with it again, remember everything that Jesus has done to get you away from that life so that you can live the good life. Remember who you are. You are a child of God that Jesus went to a cross in order for you to become. And you have a heavenly father who loves you and wants to give you good gifts. Walk in that freedom. Live in that life. And find joy in your savior because of who he is and what he's done. Because there's nothing that you can do, not even your sin can stop him from doing what he has called to do, what he has allowed, the cross has allowed him to do in your life. So be encouraged by that, that there's nothing in your life that can, that can keep God's plans from being accomplished. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for just the opportunity that we've had to just be reminded of just your goodness and your grace and your love for us and, and that we don't have to walk this journey by ourselves.